We've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence on the program and the potential to change the way we work. It could also be a new avenue for students to cheat. So how can our education system keep up with a new avenue for students to find ways to do things nefariously? Joining us to discuss how ChatGPT could change the way students are graded is Louis Vellante, professor of education governance and policy analysis at Brock University and president of the Canadian Society for the Study of Education. Good morning to you, Louis. Good morning. First of all, you must have two business cards to write all these things down on. Boy, that's incredible. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Um, Let's talk about this. The main problem with traditional methods of grading and the curveball AI will throw at it, what what, what do you see this being the the biggest issue? Probably the... The single biggest challenge will be for the undergraduate first and second year courses where students could be in a class with three, four, five hundred people. And um, in those types of um, classes, particularly the ones that are in the social sciences and humanities, they tend to get the traditional uh, essay assignments, you know, at some point in the course. So when you're dealing with such large numbers, it's really difficult for and it's impossible essentially for the professor to actually know their individual students, right? I think with ChatGPT and if a student's using it in a high school class of 15, the teachers develop that sort of rapport with the student. They kind of know what they're capable of, what they're not capable of. But when you're dealing with very large undergraduate course uh, class sizes, particularly first and second year, there's going to be students that use it and um, the software that's available right now in order to detect it is not that well developed. So I think this creates an opportunity for us to think about how can we change the way we actually assess students so that it becomes less of a, a factor in terms of academic integrity. And Professor, how would we flip that on its head then, the traditional methods of, of teaching and grading? C- could chat GPT actually help prevent cheating in the long run? I think so. I mean, you know, there's different schools of thought on this, and that's something I've written about. One school of thought is to outright ban it, which I think is is a futile exercise. Mm-hmm. I think it's already out there. It's being used. I don't know if the listeners are aware, but I mean... They've run simulations where ChatGPT has passed the bar exam in a particular state. They passed medical school exams. Um, it's passed national assessments. So, you know, it does have that capability. And another point I, I do want to make about this is that, you know, ChatGPT, if you do use it, it's not going to guarantee you an A+. In fact, most of the studies that are out there, and it's it's a quite it's a new field. Most of the the uses of ChatGPT that have been graded by a third person that don't know if it's a student or it's a AI application are giving it like a B minus as an example. But I think going back to your original question, absolutely, I think it creates an opportunity for us to think about how we do assessment differently. Uh, one thing I don't like is this one and done traditional essay where you know there's a list of topics or you can pick something and then hand it in i mean those have been susceptible to contract cheating for Mm -hmm. you know a long time contract cheating is where a student buys a a, a, an essay that's already pre-done right and there's some estimates that over seventy thousand students um, have used contract cheating across canada so you know ai is another layer to this 
But I do think people need to understand, you know, with every sort of iteration of new technology, there's always been resistance. There was resistance to using a calculator in a class. There's been resistance to Grammarly. And now universities um, actually give students access to Grammarly uh, uh, when they register within the institution. So we need to figure out how to incorporate AI in such a way where we can still maintain academic standards but also in a way that allows us to actually have valid assessment. Well, and here we go. Well, by the way, a, a B minus. I would be happy. That would be a step up from for me, Professor. Not everybody's happy with no, a B minus. I bet, no, I know. But in my case, I didn't have to do the work and my grades would jump up. I, I can see the appeal. But is there ways that we can use this AI to really help the students out? You know, help them with some feedback, perhaps help them get on the the right, uh, you know, track, if you will, when it comes to a a certain course. Is there ways that it could be used as a positive? Yeah, there are already professors out there using it. So, um, there, you know, you have examples of it being used in graduate programming. So an MBA program, you have undergraduate uh, professors using it where they're actually requiring students to generate a portion of the essay using um, the chat GPT and then they look at how can you modify what you have and then work to look at the initial product versus what that product looks like at the end of the day and also have a frank discussion around you know what seems appropriate and inappropriate in relation to this and I think that's the prudent approach the prudent approach is to actually recognize that it's already out there frankly the genie's out of the bottle high school students are using it University students are using it, and now what we're seeing is you have schools, systems, and you have universities having, quote-unquote, emergency meetings to figure out, let's generate some sort of policy so that everybody's on a level playing field when it comes to this type of technology. And and ChatGPT is just one type of language model. There's others that exist out there. Yeah, you know, when you say the genie's out of the bottle, that's exactly I was thinking, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So you might as well acknowledge that it's there, incorporate it somehow. In your article in the conversation, there was also discussion about, you know, trying to prevent cheating by generating unique questions and answers for each student. That would seem to be a whole lot of work, though. Is that even a possibility? Well, I mean, you know, for the listeners out there, we've gone from elite uh, university education being an elite um, sort of uh, opportunity for students, meaning a very small percentage, to mass education, to now what Canada is in a, has been for the last 15 years in an area of what we refer to as universal access. That means that more than 50% of grade 12 students move on to post-secondary education. We're the first country in the world to move to this 50% plus one status. We're way above that now. We're pushing close to 60%. Um, So we have a lot more students going into university. So, you know, the undergraduate courses now, and I've said this already, can be quite large, right? Um, So that's something for us to keep in mind. It can be done, but we've been systematically um, sort of increasing the per pupil cost that's transferred to students in um, university education across the, uh, across the country. So, you know, our per-pupil funding is down. Um, students pay a larger per relative percentage of what their university education costs. And because of that, where I'm going with this is that we've held on to very traditional forms of assessment that 
are cost effective but aren't the most valid. So as an example, you're a journalist, you're talking to me right now. In order to be effective at your job, you need to read, write, speak and listen. You also need to be able to, you know, do some research. You did some research for this actual interview today. And, you know, imagine a stu student in journalism school that's just doing multiple choice questions in their first and second year. Wouldn't it be more valid for them to actually simulate an interview that we're doing right now and present that work in front of uh, their their colleagues and their students and then get feedback on that? But that costs more money because that's authentic assessment. That's the assessment that where you're showing what you know as opposed to you know, um, no, you know, one is about demonstrating your knowledge and other is about knowing particular discrete facts, etc. So, I mean, this idea of traditional assessment, paper and pencil versus authentic assessment, it's been in the literature, it's been around for a long time. And we all agree that moving towards more authentic forms of assessment is very important for students. It's important for journalism students, medical students, you name it. I can give you various applications. You pick any subject and I'll give you an application. But the point is, is that if we're reliant on traditional assessment, then we're also going to have students that are going to use things like chat GPT because the assessment that they're exposed to rewards them for that. Yeah. Well, we need to actually change the assessment as well. I'm not saying to get rid of ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. I'm also arguing that we change the type of assessment that we do in universities yeah. and high schools. We'll have to leave it there for time, uh, but thank you so much. Super timely topic, and it is uh, just the way of the world right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good, uh, good day. You too. That is Louis Volante, Professor Education Governance and Pol uh, Policy Analysis at Brock University and also the Canadian Society for the Study of Education and he's the president there.